This is not your century. This is Not Your Century, where we celebrate the news and the news media of centuries gone by. I'm King Kaufman. A Japanese sergeant is captured at the Talafofo River. That's on Guam, which was the site of two major battles in the Pacific theater of World War II. His name is Shoichi Yokoi. One of the first questions he asks after being captured, has President Roosevelt died yet? It's January 24th, 1972. Yokoi has been hiding in the jungles for 28 years, since the Second Battle of Guam in 1944, when the U.S. recaptured the island from Japan. A couple of fishermen found him tending to his nets in the river. Initial news reports said he'd been living in a cave for 28 years. It was actually more of a tunnel he'd dug for himself. Doctors said he was anemic, but his pulse and blood pressure were normal. He was a little malnourished, but otherwise a reasonably healthy 56-year-old man. He got to Guam in 1943, transferred in with his unit from Manchuria. He and nine other soldiers fled into the jungle during the American invasion in 1944. Soldiers and sailors in the Imperial Japanese Army and Navy were trained never to surrender, to fight to the death for the emperor, who was considered divine. Fight to the death rather than suffer the disgrace of being captured. That helps explain something that became a pop culture cliche, the Japanese soldier or sailor who hid out in the jungle for decades, still fighting the war. It was a common enough thing that there was a name for it. Zanryo Nipponhei, the Japanese holdout. The cliche is that the holdouts had never heard that the war was over. That was sometimes the case, but not always. Some heard it was over, but thought that was a trick. Others knew the fighting had ended, but they were afraid they'd be shamed at best, executed at worst for not fighting to the death. Sergeant Yokoi said he'd learned of Japan's surrender sometime in the early 50s from leaflets and newspapers. He believed it, but he refused to give himself up for fear of being thought of as a traitor. The next thing he asked after his question about Roosevelt was whether they'd take him back in Japan. They would, and they'd give him his back pay, all of about $165, according to the exchange rate at the time. That's about a thousand bucks today. People were outraged by that, and a public campaign raised about a hundred times that amount. Yokoi flew to Tokyo on a chartered Japan Airlines flight on February 2nd. He'd been skeptical of the idea that that flight would only be three hours. Jet airplanes? News to him. The country came to a standstill as people watched his return on live TV. A crowd of about 5,000 people turned out on a cold day to greet him at the airport. They treated him more as an object of sympathy than a military hero. A nurse and doctor helped him walk down the steps from the plane, and then he rode a wheelchair to a press conference. He brought with him his rifle and the ashes of two comrades who had died in the jungle eight years earlier. He said, I've brought back the rifle entrusted to me by the emperor, which I want to return. I'm sorry I did not serve his majesty to my satisfaction. I am ashamed of myself for having lived through the war and so many years after that. This all sparked a debate in Japan. One side was enamored of the soldiers' loyalty to the state and said it was terrible that this kind of spirit could no longer be found in Japan. The other side found his devotion ludicrous and said Japan must always guard against the warlike culture behind it. At the end of the war, the emperor himself had formally denounced his divinity and any claim to the kind of devotion Yokoi displayed, though that may have been more for foreign consumption than domestic. 
Still, Japanese media was careful to always refer to Yokoi as a soldier in the Imperial Japanese Army, making a distinction from the post-war army, known as the Ground Self-Defense Force. Shoichi Yokoi lived until 1997. He became a familiar figure on Japanese TV advocating a simple lifestyle. He wasn't the last of the Japanese holdouts, but almost. There were two hiding together in the Philippines. They didn't believe news of the surrender, and they were still conducting guerrilla operations. One was killed in a shootout with police later in 1972. The other refused to surrender until his commanding officer personally relieved him of duty. That officer, long since retired from the military, flew to the Philippines and gave the order in March of 1974. The last known holdout was Private Taro Nakamura, who wasn't Japanese. He was Taiwanese, and he'd been conscripted into the Imperial Army. There was no welcome for him in Japan after he surrendered to the Indonesian Air Force on the island of Moritai on December 18, 1974. This has been Not Your Century, a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief. Get great journalism today at sfchronicle.com. I'm King Kaufman. Talk to me on Twitter at King underscore Kaufman. We now return you to your century.